Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This panel has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and presenters at Metatopia 2019. Episode 252, A Theory of RPGs as a Communication Medium, presented by Christopher O'Neill, Adriel Wilson, Kat Tobin, and Misha Bushyager. O'Neill, uh, the creative officer for Ninth Level Games, and I write role-playing games. I'm Adriel Wilson, and I'm the operations officer for Ninth Level Games, and I write role-playing games. Sometimes with me. Sometimes with me. <laughs> uh, I'm Nisha I am a curator for More Seats at the Table, which is a bi-weekly newsletter highlighting games by uh, gender marginalized people. I'm also one of the founders of New Agenda Publishing, which... Uh, seeks to promote more marginalized voices, and uh, I was one of the editors of Hashtag Feminism, which was a, a small art collective of games about topics in feminism. So, messaging, yeah, yeah. it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. That is being republished. Right, yeah. it out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. We, just... we published it, yeah, so yeah. We're, it's out there now. Right. Yeah. So you can buy it from us. Yeah. Just, just trying to bring all of my background. Yeah. So the idea of this panel started because Kat and I were drinking in a bar. As we do. As we, like as do. we have done. As is on brand for both of us. And uh, the question really was getting a little deeper on the idea of are role-playing games a medium of communication? And what does that mean and where is that different from all of the other conversations that are going on around the concepts? So... Do you want to kind of frame that point? Um, yeah, so it, um, I, I kind of came across um, something that I, I thought was really interesting. Um, there was an article that I think Ron Edwards wrote about um, an issue that the comic book industry had, where basically um, the way I think that they described it was that the, the medium became the genre. So there became this association between um, comic books and superheroes, right? Where it's like people, when people heard comic books, they thought of superheroes, right? So the kind of the, the genre that the comic books were about became conflated with the medium, which was comic books, right? And I, I assume that everyone in this room knows that you can use comic books and graphic novels to tell a, any form of story because it is, like I would argue for RPGs, a medium for storytelling, right? It is a medium for communication. Um, and I think that um, in our, um, in the industry, I don't think that's something that we kind of think about or talk about. And it means that effectively what we're doing when we're creating games is we are communicating with other people and we are kind of tell, creating a framework for a story. And there are a lot of different, and like the kind of work that I think everyone at the table 
Engel is doing is really looking at what kind of other stories we can be telling apart from you go into a dungeon and fight some dragons. Right? But I do, we do break that game, just in case yeah. you yeah, would yeah, like yeah. to buy it. Yes. It is, that is a good thing. You do. Um, uh, we do. We've literally just dropped one. It's on. It's on Jim's table. Um, yeah. So that was that was kind of where the conversation came from for me because I kind of think, well, if we are thinking of it as a medium, then you know there are you know the things that we're doing have impact in the world. Um, the stories that we are creating frameworks for people to tell um, are basically a form of communication that's going out into the world. So if you think about things like memes and kind of mimetic theory and like the transfer of knowledge and what is communicated, who is communicating it, how it's communicated, all of these become aspects of role playing, right? It's not just a matter of like, oh, I'm making a game, it's gonna be fun. But like you have all of these other kind of considerations to take into account, I think. Well, and I think there's a really interesting thing that happened in your, your point to the comic book world. The idea of when we say, well, it's a comic book movie, people are saying it's a superhero movie. Because mm -hmm. there's been lots of movies that are based on comic yeah. books. Blade. Blade. Yeah, Persopolis. Do you say yeah. Blade? Blade, yeah. yeah. Blade's a superhero. He is a superhero. He's also a vampire, though. Yes. But he's so also I, would, a superhero. I would say he's more a vampire yeah. than a superhero. Yeah. That would be my thing, right? He's going to be an Avenger. Well, I think it's a difference. This is true. What's that movie about the giant that comes out of the ocean and the little girl and her mom's real sick? That's based on a comic book and it's oh. not a superhero movie. Correct. Blue is the warmest the color. color. Yeah. yeah, no, but, uh, but that's uh, uh, not uh, a superhero. What, what is no. it? Well, in a different way. Yeah. Graphic when she kills the giants. Yeah. I kill giants. I kill giants. I kill giants. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Anyway. There are other people here. The, um, in the world of comic books, though, there was a point, uh, and probably the first time that really questioned that said, uh, let's really think about this communication medium, and I'm going to flip it, was the, it's the watching moment, right? And it's that thing that, that people outside of the comic book space don't understand about Watchmen. They're just like, oh, Watchmen's a bunch of superheroes. And it's like, no, Watchmen's a comic about comics and you go into all these things and it's about all the different genres and what can we say in comics? And one of the things that Alan Moore is always angry about, I mean, besides everything, is, <laughs> um, is he's often very angry about the fact that people don't understand that why he made Watchmen was to talk about the medium of comics. So translating it into another medium, it actually doesn't, it falls apart from what he was trying to do. And that made me, when we were having this conversation, really think about the idea that's like, I don't know if anyone has done a dive that says, what, are the, what is the role-playing game story? What is the story that can only be told via the medium of role-playing? Because that is what would define role-playing as a medium. Right? Except that I think that any story can be told via role-playing. Oh, I don't disagree with that. But the in order to prove but this, you have to right, show that there's a unique that can like, only be done this way. Yeah, yeah. So in let me put my film nerd hat on. Um, Sergey Eisenstein. If we're gonna get nerdy and deep here, we might as well get this nerdy and deep. Uh, you know, 1915. You know, pre-Soviet Russian cinematographer Sergey Eisenstein, the creator of the montage, the idea that putting moving images together <laughs> creates the meaning. Uh, you know, with his famous film Battleship Potemkin, uh, the uh, you know it was the first time. Like the idea was, hey, 
um, cinema is an actual medium. It's not just moving pictures because the fact that I can take one picture and another picture and bring them together, and now the act of bringing those two pictures together is what creates the idea of cinema, was revolutionary. It really blew people's minds. But people immediately were like, oh yeah, this is a new communication channel. Um, I think one thing that uh, role-playing games do most effectively, that more effectively than any other medium, is actually allow you to step into a different person's skin. You do that when you're watching a movie to some extent. You do that when you're reading a book to more of an extent because the, the thing between you and the thought process is, is just the, the words on the page. But in a role-playing game, you are expected to be someone different than the person that you are. And that changes you in big ways or small ways. Yeah, uh, and, and for the, the few games where that conceit is not, where you are not specifically inhabiting somebody who is not you, there's a, you have to do a whole other layer of safety because you can then get stuck in that role of, hey, I am doing a thing that is not something that I personally would do, but that my character is doing. And so sometimes you have to, I, I think people need to be really careful when they do games where they don't separate player and character uh, from each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that like, kind of connecting that to what Adriel was saying as well, like you, um, Briefly got distracted. Um, like that is what role playing does, right? In terms of inhabiting, but it's also something that distinguishes it from literally every other medium out there, right? With no other medium, do you, are you both the intended audience for that medium, but also the creator yes. of that medium, right? Mm -hmm. You are the creator and the audience simultaneously, which I think is your kind of point of uniqueness to like other media. So I'm sorry. Is it Oh no! Like I think you actually said the point I was going to bring up was like you think there's a distinction between like role playing and then the concept of like role playing game, right? Like I've used role playing at work to help introduce concepts that are are at my old job that were very hard. Like I worked in an NGO, but it wasn't there wasn't there was some gamification at times, but other times it was like even including like hashtag feminism was like bringing in this idea of you know trying to expose people like myself who are you know generally like white males to like broader concepts. And like, do you think that there's like breaking out that distinction is important? I guess I would say yes because an actor is playing a role. Yeah. But acting is not the same meaning as a role playing game. So with role playing games, with with acting, you have this is the script. We're going to go with this script. Somebody else has created the script for us. We are merely embodying that thing. Whereas with role playing games, the most you usually get is sometimes just like this is who your character's backstory is. But what you're going to do with that after this is entirely up to your brain and the people, the brains of the people around you. Right, but that the people around you, and I think that's Kat's point, right? Which is, you are both the audience mm -hmm. and the originator. Mm -hmm. Is the thing the only other thing, the only other medium I can think of similar to that is some is, is music, right? I can both I can both be playing a song sure. and yeah, listening yeah. to the song. Like, right, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. jazz music yeah. is, is, is definitely like, yes. uh, oh, I'm the, yes. like, I'm playing this, this solo and it's just for me and I'm out yeah. in the street corner and no one else has heard it and it's right. like, well, that's their fault because they're never going to hear it. I'm never going to repeat it. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of times, uh, there was a thing that somebody once called 
cosplay at a convention, and they called it like visual jazz. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's actually really good. But I, I think in a lot of ways, role playing is kind of two other forms of story. It's more like jazz. Jazz is to other music as role playing is to other forms of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think I think that I would like. So I think that role playing and role playing games are kind of. I think that they're not really comparable because they're two different forms of a thing, right? So like role playing is kind of the action, um, and then a role playing game is like the framework that enables that action. So like I can role play right now, right? Yep. I can just I can put out a funny voice, and there we go. I'm role playing. They have a different character. Great, how fabulous. But I'm not playing a role-playing game, right? So they are clearly distinct, but like a role-playing game cannot, well, now this is a question, can a role-playing game exist without role-playing? Yes. Right? So there was a really interesting, was it um, Caitlin Bell did the, oh, I hate it when I do this, when I have these kind of things that I vaguely heard of, that I'm like, this would be a great example of what I'm talking about. Um, but the, the game that is, was, got nominated for one of the big sci-fi awards, mm -hmm. like the Hugo or Nebula or something like that. Um, and it's very conceptual. Or maybe Ben Layman was involved as well. Um, oh, I'm, I'm failing on it. Um, but it's kind of, I'm interested in questions like, can you have a role-playing game that does not have a role-playing in it? Can you role-play without a role-playing game? I mean, obviously you can, but why yeah. would you? Well, like the kids do it all the time. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's true. And what, how is it different to role-play within a role-playing game? Most freeform LARPs aren't really games. They're role-playing. But they're within a framework, right? And the yeah. framework, I would argue strongly, is the game, right? So I would say that they are still a role-playing game because there's a boundary around it, right? There's a creative constraint. There's like, you are in this setting. And that might be all you get, but you're told where you are, when you are, or what you are. Is so Microscope a role-playing game? Has anyone yeah. played Microscope, uh, right? I would say yes. If but Microscope is a role game. Yeah, but it's also a really fucking amazing tool. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's a much better tool than it yeah, is a role yeah, playing I, I game. I will say it is 100%. Better, yeah, it's a better tool than it is a game, but it sure, is sure. a game. I, and, I, and I agree. It's, a, it, I, it's not a game that I want to play, but uh, it is a tool I want to use. It's not a game I want to play. Um, uh, but I do think it is a game, and I do think it is a role-playing game that doesn't actually have roles, right? I don't think playing the roles is, is intrinsic to the game, because it is telling a story in the function, and this is, I'm going to pull this all back together, uh, in, in the unique way that role-playing is a medium of communication, which is through this act of telling stories, whether those stories are about people or things, where we are both the audience and the creator at the same time is that unique piece. And so because of that, if that is the medium uh, and the method by which the communication is driven, then, med then Microscope meets all of those requirements. So, Nipper, you look like you were gonna say something. Oh no, it was more of the fact that you said that it was like you were the creator and the audience at the same time, which I think might be sort of like, something I'm really hard about describing a role-playing game as like a unique sort of proposition, right? Like I was a theater major, so I've done tons of improv, I've done tons of acting, or, you know, I've done like games in sort of corporate environments, but that sort of like being both the actor and the audience at the same time is sort of the sort of value proposition. I would argue that improv is a type of role-playing game. I would, I oh, would yeah. concur. Because you are given a framework, you're given a role, and then you need to just act that role out and it changes as you go. I would argue that improv is LARPing. 
Yes, yes, agreed. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But I also think, I think that's an interesting thing, and I think it's, if you watch the, uh, and I'm not, a, I'm not super, super knowledgeable of this, but the, like the step up from improv to improv sports, Right, so like, there's a lot of places now that where they, they do improv and it's just more structured, like where they're actually, you know, makes it even more of a game. Like, cause like the improv sports model of improv, I could put in a box, uh, yes. you know. I um, thought you meant wrestling. Because <laughs> no. that's an improv sport. Sure, partially yeah. improv. That's a sport. A sport of improv. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in Philadelphia, there's a couple. There's two different groups that do what's called comedy sports, and they are really competitive improv. Oh, neat. Fascinating. Uh, I did it in college. It's an interesting. It's an interesting proposition of like, because you're like playing in the audience a little bit in a way that you wouldn't be normally with like improv from like a theatrical exploration tool. So I think that's a really great point, and it kind of connects into something that I'm also kind of interested in, which is slightly, slightly on a tangent, but not really, which is, so talking about role-playing as a medium and being the audience and creator, I am fascinated by the rise of Twitch, right, and the streamers, right, and if you, like, so then, right, because how is that changing role-playing? As a medium, if you are suddenly right, right, if you are suddenly instead of being your own audience, if you're also, as you were saying with your theater major, right, there's a lot of crossover there. When you introduce an audience to role playing, what does that do to role playing? What does it do to? And the thing that I'm interested in at the moment is what does it do to role playing games? How will we structure our formats differently? How will we write and design role playing games differently when they? when the medium changes to include an audience in a way that it hasn't before. So I think one of the things, like, because I've done a f button of, I, I, yeah, I did censor myself there, a button of, of uh, streaming. Um, I, I rarely actually watch myself, though, because that's just creepy. Uh, watching yourself is always weird. Yeah. But so one of the things that we, ha we, that we have done that have changed, like, uh, I was on an actual play of Band of Blades for, for a, a couple of seasons. And one of the things we did was like, all right, most of the time, this is the thing we'd be doing, you know, in between sessions. Off, but we did say, okay, we're going to do this on screen so that the audience can see what kind of decisions we would be making so that they know this is the kind of thing that is going on and should be going on at your table, but right. that isn't necessarily interesting right. or fun, but it's still something that needs to be seen. I'm um, a firm 100% with what you're saying, Misha, is that the... Uh, and, and my only my, my primary criticism of the current actual play landscape is that they're only showing part of the game to the audience, mm -hmm. and the part of the game that they are showing is the part that is most like watching a television show. Yeah. They're not seeing the rest. In fact, yeah. like the joke of, uh, you know, you're watching Critical Role, but they're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. They're playing Critical Role. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that we've been doing is thinking about that, because I agree, which is to say, we want to be able to create a system where the system can be interacted so that you are seeing everything about the system on the screen. And so when we did our mazes uh, Kickstarter, we did a couple of recording plays where you it's literally all in front of you. I'm trying to put as much of it on the screen as possible so that the audience is also part of that. Because as role-playing, all of those decisions, that it, you know, it's, I would I would argue that it's bad design if you don't need to see that stuff. It doesn't, you know, it's right. 
Yeah. Why is it in the game? It might be yeah. it yeah. might be better theater. Yes. But it's bad role playing yes. if you don't if right. you have yeah. these things that you are that are that are not necessary for the the participant. Right. Now that could end up coming because that's a thing. So you said wrestling, right? Um, right. If if you want to argue that wrestling is acting and wrestling is a sport, like the idea is, it's it's both of those things, and it's an athletic activity that is presented as a sport and it's consumed like a sport. You don't consume it like the soap opera that it is. Well, I mean, you, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's about how that, that, that's presentation. And today, right now, the actual play, especially the video side, it's a little different uh, audio. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, yeah. podcast yeah. play yeah. is a lot more yeah. just, we're going to put it down, we're just going to play at the table, and we're going we're gonna to commentate, as opposed to, because like, one of the things that I love in all of those um, uh, video actual plays is everyone plays on a table facing the camera. Yeah. Instead of facing each other, like, which is I, weird. Yeah. So, so weird. Well, see, when, when I do it, we're, uh, we're, none of us are in the same location. Right. right. Which so makes you just get, like, five little heads. So we're yeah. seeing, we can yeah. see each other because yeah, yeah. so much of role-playing is, all right, I want to see, oh, right. I want to turn, oh, you're squirming? I want to turn this to 11. I want to squeeze it a little more. Like, yeah. Let's push that button a little more. Uh, and so at being able to see, and, yeah, trying to role-play like this would, no, I could no, not no. do that. I yeah. can't, I, if yeah. I can't see you, I can't tell if you're liking what I'm doing, should I do it more? Should I do it less? And yeah. it, it's hard to read reactions like that. Right, and that's again. I think like that's a massive thing about role playing is that a big part of it is the collaboration yes. with other players, right? You know, and I have a lot of inter- uh, thoughts for another panel, which is like one player role playing games, and like yeah. oh, it's different if yes. you don't have other players that you're interacting with. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think like what you were saying about like just you can't like we play across a table and when you're playing to an audience you're almost like you're conceptually facing in a different direction as well you're no longer looking within the story and looking within the game you're looking to create a product um which is a kind of a different like so i think like you were what you were saying about the wrestling and like that's almost the closest analogy that i think that i have certainly to what's happening with streaming where it's like yeah. it's it's like you said with the sports analogy it's role playing but it's being it's not being consumed as role playing it's being as consumed role as theater playing. it's right. being consumed as like tv or right. Theater, yeah. Right? yeah yeah i uh, think some of that is it depends on the purpose of the stream because a lot some some actual play streamers are there to hey we're going to be playing this game anyway yeah. we're letting you in to see what it's like so that it's like, all right, if you want to play this game, this is what this game is like. Right. And that is one style of game and yeah. one style of streamer. There's also the, we have a really fun cast and we want to be, a, we want to create an entertainment product. Right. Correct. So it's, it depends on which of those modes, are you doing it for the education of this is right. how you do the game, or are you doing it for the entertainment, and the game is then the medium for Absolutely. the entertainment. Yeah, because yeah. it's like one of them is, is effectively like a review. Like yeah. a really kind of a long, yes, a really like elaborate review, yeah, yeah, and it's more of a kind of a robust reflection of what the role playing game is than yeah. potentially but I mean, so video game streaming is the same way. It's like I I don't understand video game streaming. It's oh, like why would I want to watch? You know what? But my my kids love watching other people play video games, so I'm like, okay. Yeah. A friend okay. of mine's thirteen year old. My, my friend Dave, he said to his son, he was like, I don't understand how you just watch these people playing video games. And his son looked at him and went, 
you watch people play football. Right? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that is the you best just, answer to that ever. You're just watching these you're just yeah. watching these people play a game. It's just that you don't understand the game they're playing. Right. Yeah. Right? Um, like everything else, like I've said this about sports a million times. If you watch a sport and you begin to understand what's going on in the sport, it will become interesting to you. Yes. Because they're interesting, right? Yeah. They're games, right? I'm a gamer. Uh, there's nothing I like better than to watch biathlon. Uh, that's not a joke. That is a legitimate statement because I've watched biathlon and I know what's going on and I'm super into it. Um, I, I think if you were to watch that with that kind of a critical eye, the current streams, you would see the lack of that role-playing depth and it's being replaced with performance, right? And that's what kind of that difference is. And I think, I, I think there's a very interesting thing that says there's going to be a generation of games coming out now that are gonna change that paradigm as those games are built for this extension of the media. I was gonna say, do you think the snake's gonna start eating its own tail? Oh, absolutely. Like, mm -hmm. How is that gonna influence future games, which is gonna influence future gamers, which are then gonna go and do their street? Like, I have friends. Yeah. 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 I thought yeah. that's a really fascinating question. Yeah. And I think what you what you're you're already starting to see a little of it, in that people who are watching the entertainment streams are then trying to take that and replicating it at their own table, and not being able to because they aren't showing you the whole thing. Right, it all falls apart. You're like, well, but how did Matt Mercer do that? Yeah, because like, he just he just did it. He's an actor. Yeah, he is a professional voice actor. That yeah. is the the man's yeah. job yeah. is to inhabit voices at the drop of a hat. Yeah, but also like he's been role playing. He's like a his whole life. Yeah. 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 right. So like the reason he's a really good GM is because he has like yeah you know however many years of like of extensive experience behind him and like I think. Yeah, I think they're kind of selling a, like the ease at which they play kind of sends a message that it's a really easy, you just sit down and GM, right? Yep. That's what you do. But like the number of panels we have at all of our conventions that give GMing advice and like really drill down into different types of GMing advice show that it is not just a matter of sitting down at the table. And there's a kind of a, I guess, a concern that I would have about how, how we teach games in that way, like Misha was saying about the, the kind of review style versus the entertainment product style, you know, the entertainment. I don't want to say the entertainment product style is damaging, but no. I think that it's it's certainly creating a false expectation of what the experience of playing a game is like. Yeah. I also think there's a really interesting thing that says, uh, what is, uh, we talk about unique things about the role-playing medium, right? Which is role-playing, the thing that you buy, right, is instructions to create an experience. It's not the experience. Correct. The experience is something you have to make, right? right? Yeah. Like yeah. role-playing yeah. is always a kit that we're buying these yeah. Yes, yes. And one of the long-term arguments has been, what's the best way to present that information? Should the information be a toolkit that I'm able to apply to information, or is it a manual for training? Mm -hmm. And in the video game world, they used to have this thing, because now the whole thing is, is no one reads rule books in the video game world. When I was a kid, you pick up the rule book because you had to read the rule book because otherwise the game would be completely inscrutable. Because you would be like, "What does that orange dot do?" Oh, that's my, that's my laser cannon. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, but now they teach you that in the game, and they have to. Yes. Literally yeah. every game that you download on your phone is going to take you through something Fatui. called a Fatui, a first-time user experience. 
and it's the part that you can't skip, and it's the part that teaches you how to play the game. Some games present that in a better way than others, but it's, it's a very important piece of the user experience, and it's a big focus of game development uh, is where do our users drop off in the Fatui if they're going to? And um, that's not something that role-playing has, has really got going for it yet. Although, um, there is a, uh, a Xena RPG that came out a bajillion years ago that I happen to have a box of, and it very specifically had a solo intro adventure that helped you figure out how to play and run the game. Oh, I, I learned how to role play from Metzger's Redbox solo adventure. Yeah, yeah. You know, you roll, oh, I just met a cleric, I'm gonna roll, uh, oh, now I have a wisdom stat. I didn't have that before, that's neat. Um, it's been a long time because a lot of times we forget because most of us are taught role playing by another person yep. that has deep yeah. system mastery in whatever game we're taught. The Ludaturge. Um, we do like oh. talk to the the, the, the nudity. Yes, nudity. Yes. Uh, for a long time, that's what I I, I wanted to be known as the nudity. The nudity of horizons. It's the person that teaches you to play the game, essentially. Yeah, like in the in the world of drama, there's a dramaturge. It's the person that explains to the cast and the people making the play what the play's about. So literature is the same kind of activity, which is, hey, what is this game about, right? Because you can also talk about that. You know, we've talked about a lot. Of, there's obviously a lot of inclusions that are back to theater. Um, it's just that um, uh, now, for the first time, other people besides the people playing are actually watching, yep. and that is... Yeah, before really at most you might have like you know a spouse or a kid that was running around was like, what is Dom and Dad doing? Why? <laughs> Can I play with the dice now? And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, can I sit at the table too? Sure. Can I paint a mini? Yeah. <laughs> now, like, kids play roller coasters. Um. <laughs> questions, thoughts. There's only a few of you, so feel free to be. We'd love you to be a part of this conversation, except for Nipper, who's already been a part of this conversation. <laughs> You're out. You're out. So Never die. We're only mean because we like you. If we didn't yeah. like you, we'd just ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know you are, so I'm not going to engage with you on that one. <laughs> Sorry. The, um... Um, so, yeah, so I had kind of one question, which was about my, like, extensive, like, medium as the message notes, right? Yes. Um, which is kind of... Which had a bunch of callbacks to Marshall McLuhan. Right. It, too many. I got a bit too into it. I was trying to write the blurb for this panel, and I got a bit, like, did a bit of a deep dive into all of that, and uh, Chris was just, hopefully, let's not put but, Marshall McLuhan in the blurb. I do just want to, like, super quickly kind of touch on that Marshall McLuhan medium is the yes. message thing. What is the, if the medium is, what is the message our medium sends to the world? I think it depends on genre because yes it is a medium but it's not the genre mm -hmm. and so a superhero RPG sends a different message than a historical RPG sends a different message than a dungeon crawl sends a different message than 
worldwide wrestling sends a different message than you know uh, for the queen or dread or uh, the beast or you know. So do you think that we can't kind of abstract it back to? I think the only question I can think of is this is a story we're telling together. Right. Yeah. I think that's kind of a... I think that every role-playing game sends the message that you as an individual are an individual and so is everyone else. Like, that's, that's not a good way to put it, I don't think, but what I'm trying to say is all role-playing games, even if you are playing yourself in some sort of conceit, is sending the message that who you are is not who you will always be or, or who you... Uh, it can be? Yeah, who you can be. Yeah, that's what I think. processing that completely. <laughs> um, and, you, and I think I would add to that that you have agency as yeah. well, right? Don't they kind of... A good role-playing game, yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, have, yeah. yeah. You, optimally, you would have agency. You would be an, an agent in the world who is capable of taking actions and changing things, making you, a difference, having an impact in the world. Basically. You get to make choices. Right? Yeah. Meaningful choices that have an impact. Yeah. So... That's a really interesting idea because if we think of and we and we start with the level, like I like to think if it's a good game, right? Uh, but if you were to take you know communications four twenty eight, uh, you know Marshall McLuhan's you know deep dark dreams, right? You would spend most of the time trying to figure out if bad versions of your media uh, of your of, of your medium are worth talking about, yes. right? Because there's lots of things, like there's lots of trash on television, um, and the fact that it's trash is fine, but that's not worthy to talk about the specifics, right? I would disagree with that. Me too. I think a lot of uh, communications theorists would argue with you. I think even bad things serve a purpose. Sure, and they would say... And talking about what that purpose is and what they're doing is a thing that should be done. Critical I, analysis. Yeah. Yes. I, I yes. agree, but the critical analysis says this is just a bunch of bad stuff. We should talk about bad stuff in general. We don't need to talk about bad, the bad, the individual bad stuffs. Um, because, like, here's a, if, if we were to take a game that's a bad role-playing game, uh -huh. right, there's not a huge amount of value in talking about why it's bad other than the fact that we talk about the fact that it's bad. I'm going to still disagree. No. Yeah. Right. The value yeah, in talking yeah. about why, why it's bad, bad is, like, okay, it's bad for these reasons, and maybe let's not do that anymore. Or what even is the message of yeah. the bad thing? Right. Yeah. It's the evolution of the, yeah. of the medium. Right? Yeah. We develop our, you know, our So let's think our... of, so, to see if I can frame yeah. this in a different way. Right. Let's think of a game that we think is a bad example <laughs> of RPGs as a medium from a communication study perspective. Not that it's a bad game that has bad you know, premise or it makes us feel bad or it encourages bad ideas. That is from a communication studies 
the idea of it as a communication medium is bad? Uh, so uh, it's not necessarily a role-playing game, but it's a, a game that is very frustrating as a medium, as a trying to communicate something. E.T. the role-play, E.T. the video game that came out for the yeah. Atari. It was a, because there was no way of under, they, they did not do a decent a job at all of explaining, A, what it is you're supposed to be doing? B, how you're supposed to do it? C, you know, so dis- discussing that and like knowing the, how that ended up happening in that giant... I would say if you watch the Harold Warshaw yeah, description yeah. of it. It's like, but, but having that discussion of, okay, this is what it was. This is where it went off the rails. This is why we shouldn't do this particular thing anymore is a valuable thing. Everybody serves a purpose. Sometimes that purpose is to be a cautionary example. Sure, sure. No, and I, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm, I'm, but I'm saying, like, if we were talking about it from that, like, that high-level thing, let's so if we let's take it out of role playing and talk, talk about it, like television, it's a little easier to talk about. Um, CSI Miami is bullshit from a communications medium perspective. There's zero value in a critical analysis of CAI Miami. It's just a show that follows a procedure that has some actors that takes some airtime that sells commercials. We could study stories in it because we want to talk about how these things are going, but as a the function of communication, it's giving us no value in that conversation. Because again, I'm talking now, you know, level 478, right? Like we're talking all the way up here, right? I think the interesting thing is, is when we talk about the idea of what is the message being pushed by role-playing games, and Adriel, I think what you said was super good. Uh, I think there's a really interesting question that says, if we pull away all of the dross, right, and we say, what could role-playing accomplish as a method? There's a really interesting question. I don't think anyone has done the academic study because it's 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 a it's a lot there's a lot there's a lot of people that have talked about it there's probably podcasts upon podcasts upon podcasts of nerds talking about it but i i that's i don't have an answer yeah i so oh yeah uh so i I sort of caught on somewhere halfway through that on the so the the medium of a lot of role-playing games is a book and then hopefully somebody reads that book and, and translates that to people but there's a lot of other games that are also hands in a box and we're handing cards around and we're each having a turn interpreting this. And how much of the, or I guess do you have any thoughts on the way you pick to communicate your game, how much of that is the medium of a role-playing game, less, less than just the, the act of doing it, but the way you give it? I think this game. conversation we've been talking about, the act of doing it, is is much more than the method of delivery, the form, yeah. the form factor. I think the form factor is, is not really... I'm super interested in the form factor. Other than to kind of, um, as a presentation, and well, it is a messaging in its own right, right? If you make an eight and a half by 11, like, you know, 400 page rule book, that sends a different message about what your game is than if you've got like a five page C. Like those yeah. are clearly going to but be also, like, style. even if, like, let's take, like, for the Queen, for example, it is, is the, the format does democratize the game itself. So now no one person is more important than anyone else at the table. Whereas a lot of your, your 8 by 8.5 by 11, 400 people, there is, there is, whether intentional or not, a hierarchy of GM player. Yeah. So interestingly, I am currently writing a GM-less game where each player at the table takes on 
the role of the storyteller for the other players at once. Similar to For the Queen, but in a completely different way. Because it's not prompt-driven. Right, it's not prompt-driven. Yeah. So I want the players to... So we're like the Lovecraft desk or something. Yeah, yes. yeah. I want them to feel a lot of ownership yes. of what they're doing. Um, I'm, but I'm very interested. I, I think it's fascinating. The idea of the delivery method is distinct from the role-playing game. Yeah. yeah. Can you be thoughtful? And, like, if you've got a message you want to in, reinforce with your game, can you be thoughtful about how you teach it to... To make it reinforced. Yes. 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 Very much so. Absolutely. <laughs> I had a play test this morning. Or yeah, it was yesterday morning. We played Graham's game yesterday morning. Yes, it was I, yesterday. I, I have no idea. <laughs> They're blurry. Yeah. There's no time. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the feedback that we gave the designer was, "Hey, um, I'm not sure you're at a point where this game can exist without you." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. which is, you know. The, the the person that designed the game and that's running the game can do it and has all of these skills and all of these abilities. And uh, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, your game was great because I liked the world. Uh, I felt that I told a good story. Um, and we had all these things. But you had all these mechanics that were actually in the way. And they did all these bad things and it was all kind of crap. And it would be better without it. But I gave you positive feedback. And I told you that was I was really into this because... Uh, the, the the actual gameplay was great because you were at the table. Yes. And if you hadn't been at the table, this would have been a train wreck. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's a really kind of a... Oh, well, I was going to say, I had a question sort of dovetailed his, which was, okay. um, in terms of like both the presentation, like the physicality of it, right? Like uh, cards versus a book of rules, but also like how do the rules sort of influence the medium in and of itself and sort of like providing that message, right? Like, I think that, you know, you could have a game with like really shitty rules, but a really important message, or vice versa. And how do you think that that sort of impacts across the spectrum of sort of like, especially as you like emphasize, say, the game aspect of role playing as you're trying to convey, like, say, look at like a game like Doggy Dog, right? Like, which is a really great game and actually has some really interesting mechanics, like saying how much you make as mm-hmm. a methodology of figuring out who goes first, right? Like that brings a social uh, social yeah. equity yeah. to the forefront. Yeah. But how much does that sort of influence like the medium? Like, For me, um, I have recently come to the conclusion that for myself as a designer, a role-playing game or LARP needs two things. One, who you are, and two, what you're going to do. Yes. And when I am choosing mechanics or I'm writing a narrative over the top of mechanics I already have, I am always cognizant of do these things support one another? Because if they don't, I don't think I will be successful. I don't know if that answered your question. No, I think. But it was sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Along those lines, there there have been a lot of interesting games that had really interesting premises. That when you sat down to do them, it's like, all right, this is a great world. Now what? (laughs) To to Misha's point, I. I'm not a person who enjoys the Powered by the Apocalypse system. I think lots of people love it, and that's awesome. And for me, when I see a game that's based on Powered by the Apocalypse, and I'm so excited about the setting, <laughs> I, I often will, will put that game down because I know for me, those mechanics, just they're, they're just not my jam. I have, I have, I like 
the framework generally, but there are certain genres like I personally do not like Apocalypse World. Yeah. But that's because I don't like the post-apocalyptic genre. Yeah. Yes. But I love Urban Shadows because that mm. intrigue and infighting and mechanics and politics is so my jam. Nice. Um, so I'm wondering if it's not necessarily the mechanics so much as the genre that is... And, but there are some PBTA games that are just crap. I sorry, sure, sure. It's, just, it's just the thing that it. But can just I connect yeah. to that? I think yeah. there's like also an interplay, like you were kind of both saying, between like the setting, right? So you can have, right? So you can have a fantasy setting, right? The setting is fantasy, right? It's just generic fantasy at the time, right? You can have like thousands of different, vitally different RPGs in that exact same setting, right? Because it depends on who you are and what you do, and I think that's such a succinct boiling down of like what a great RPG has. But another thing that I want to kind of bring into this, and again, I think it's a way that RPGs are phenomenally different from other media, is that like it does not matter how, and this kind of connects into video games as well, it doesn't matter how good I am at watching TV. It does not matter. I am so good at it. I am the best. It doesn't matter how good I am at reading a book, right? You know, I have different ways of interpreting it or whatever. But like, but who I am as a person, what I enjoy as a person, how I engage with other people and how I engage with the world, what I think, what my internal landscape looks like, is vital to who I am and what I do at a role playing yes. table. Right? Yeah. And that's, you know, and the kind of play culture and the form factor and like different people have different ways of like interpreting information and internalizing information and, and then reproducing that information and, and kind of disseminating it. And I, I don't know, I'm not going anywhere with this. It's just a kind Nobody, of a response I'm, to I'm, this. I'm, yeah, right? I'm super <laughs> in, right? Yeah. Because in our, in our current project that we're working on, um, it's a system for making games. And there's this big piece that has yet to be completely finally written, but the, the concept is uh, we tend to think of role-playing games as the book written by a designer. And that is a system. Yep. It's not the game. Right. Mm -hmm. The yeah. game is the interpretation of that game as played by a set of people. Yes. Yeah. Right? And so we're creating this system that says, hey, if we're going to start there, Right, our interpretation, what we put into this. So your idea that it it's a generic fantasy setting with no other information. It's a generic fantasy setting. Could have there's thousands and thousands and thousands of games because everyone's home campaign of D and D is different because of the rules and because of the people. But right? it's the exact same. It's the exact same, same the set same of thing, tech, right? right? That built right. that. Right. They have the same tool. Right. It, it's the same Xbox. And they are different games that are being right. put on top of that. So, right? But then is the Xbox a, does Xbox in general have a message? And, and if, in effect, is can, if well, Xbox can or can't have a message, can a role-playing game have a message if, it's, if the message is left to the people playing it? I think you got to pull that level back. Because yeah. it's not the Xbox. The Xbox is just the thing that lets you I'm do glad it. No, it's, no, it's the Xbox is yeah, the I'm glad the that Rob, Rob came in there. Yeah. That's what I was talking about a minute ago, and I wasn't saying it right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Xbox is the platform yes. for the systems. But I think most role-playing games, is when you say that's the game, it's a platform, not the role-playing game. No, uh, no. It's, it's the no, no, no. system yeah. that you're most playing Most role-playing game games are the in. disc. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah thank Whereas you. Whereas the Xbox is the platform. Yeah. R the RPGs Xbox are the, the platform. Yeah. Role-playing games are the individual discs. Uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons is a disc. Is a platform. And your campaign that you run no, at home with your no, friends it's, is it's a, a disc. disc. It's a disc. It's an open world game. It's like yeah. it's like uh, yeah. the game where you pull people out of cars and steal their cars and there's music. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. Go. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is your D and D game is GTA Five, and my D and D game is Shakespeare in Love. They're but, totally but different games. We're playing with the same because we're playing on the same platform. Yeah, you're, no, but they're two but different games. You're playing the same system. So let's go back. One. Rob's let's cracking up. Rob's let's like, I love this. It was like I just like came in and was like. Let's just drag it. Let's like I remember when GTA Three came out. We're, you know, my friends and I are all playing. We're in college. We're like just being awful human beings. My other friend, my downstairs neighbor, came up. He got in a cab. And he stopped at every red light, and he turned that like that game, that disc, into a platform of a whole new game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To their point versus sort of your point. Yeah. So. You can play that same disc a million different ways. Yeah. Yes, it's an open I think also world. We might be arguing semantics, but yeah. I, I will die on the hill <laughs> that the Xbox is a platform, not a system. So then, did the person playing GTA come up with the message of the game? Or did the person designing GTA come up with a message they were trying to transmit through that medium? Or did they both do it? Or how much did one person do it versus the other person? I would say both. I would say both because the designer, by telling you, by let, allowing what you can and cannot do in the game, okay. is giving you one message. Yes. But then you choosing to what you choose to interact with from that subset is also authorial intent. We were just talking about this literally right before we came in, in the door here about, because there was a panel that we listened to where I was at earlier today that was about designing role-playing games where violence is not the focus. Mm -hmm. um, and the comment that I was making was the original, you know, early role-playing designers, the only way they had to think about doing role-playing was to give things stats. Mm -hmm. That's how they designed you know, there was only D&D, &D and how they figured out the world was to give it stats. And so they were like, oh, here's a book of gods. And they gave them stats. Mm -hmm. And immediately people went and killed those gods. And it was like, you can't do that. It's like, well, you gave it stats. You give it stats, it's yeah. killing it. I can kill yeah. it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's really what that question is, is that, that, that idea of what was the intent. Well, that wasn't, their intention wasn't to go kill gods, but really, you made that possible. Chekhov's uh, mechanics, yes. right? It's like if you put in a mechanical system into a game, the players will assume that is what you want yes. them to be doing yes. with the game. So, so I think that you can kind of, I think the best you can do as a designer is kind of, like you create the tracks that their train runs on, right? And you can put the tracks in a certain direction, but like if they take the train off the tracks, yeah. like that's that's on them and they're, they're free to do that in a way that like you can't, do that with a TV show. You can't do that with a film or a book. But, but suburban white kids mm -hmm. singing Body Count at the, the top of their lungs and Ice-T being like, thank you for buying my record, is the same thing, right? Ice-T wrote... I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm really like, waiting to see you. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm listening. Go on. So Ice-T was like, hey, I want to make this record. Uh -huh. I want to make this record. I'm gonna make a song called Cop Killer. Okay. And me and my friends are gonna do this heavy metal record about the, you know, living in Compton and, and, and all of this piece. 
and it's about their experience that they're going to do this thing. Okay. And white kids in the suburbs were singing it and screaming. And it was like, hey, that's great. And Ice-T's happy that you did that. But that was not his intent, right? Okay. But, it, but, but at the end of the day, the fact that that record exists made that available. And that was the thing you could do. Let me give a different, I'll give you the opposite example. There's a meme going on right now, which is everyone at Coachella saying, oh, that's my jam about the new uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine reunion. And it's like, they're singing about you. You're like, oh, that's my jam. It's like, no, everyone here can tell us who they're singing about. You don't understand it. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that there wasn't an intent. Right? I think that's different from a game, though. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's different than a game. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying it's that it's that same kind of, that the, the, the you know, Rob came in and threw the arthurial intent uh, grenade, which is like, I, your intent as an author is something that you can try to defend, but it's something I don't believe in. Like, I personally don't believe in arthurial intent because the product exists, and it's all about how it gets interpreted. Well, I think uh, you can control the interpretation somewhat. Like, what do you choose to incentivize if the character's done? What do you choose to allow as a mechanic? Because, like, what is it that you're allowing? To, is there another? Okay. Five minutes. Uh, what, what is there that is allowed and not allowed? What is if there you made a game you... and you incentivize the idea that every time I kill a ghost, I get a gold piece. Uh-huh. And then you made another thing that is if I, uh, if I trap the ghost, right? It's not your intent, right? Mm-hmm. You... But the way that the system at all, I, I now have this ability to make 100 gold every time I trap a ghost. So in your game, the idea is supposed to be about killing ghosts. But all I ever do is trap ghosts, right? Because I found this line. Yeah. In, right? Um, it, it, and, and then am I playing the game wrong? If, I, I would say no. But because the author allowed you to do that and gave you a mechanic, and it is, that is saying, this is what I want you to do. By giving you this is the tool that I've been saying, this is what you can do. So to, to, to join in Misha's point, I think that authorial intent in role-playing games matters in a way that it does not in literature, and it is only successful if the designer takes into consideration the structure they're providing the player. Yes. If I don't want my players doing something, I sure as heck better not give them a way to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If I don't want violence in my game, to go to your don't earlier example, oh, yeah. don't put a mechanic don't for put violence. Combat yeah. Mechanics. Right. I, yes. No, I super agree. Yeah. I super yeah. agree. Uh, and, and, and that's more about the ability to deliver a great product, right? Like doing your job well. As a designer, that's, that's a, yeah, that's, that's yeah. just a kind of a different. Right, it's, kind of, it's kind of thing. But my my my, my, my point is, uh, when we, we talk about the idea of can a can a role playing game have a message, right? If we're getting all the way, that's where this this, this whole yeah, yeah. thing that is separate and different than the message created by the people playing the game, mm-hmm. right? I think a role playing game book, you know, has the ability, like any book, to deliver information. So I could say like. Hey, the front of this thing is is like, please be nice to people, right? But then if the rest of my game is about kicking people when they're down, yeah. right? And then everyone goes and plays that, but when they play it, they play it about pushing people off, you know, 
off the deep end. You're like, no, this is the game that being nice to people. And you're like, no, that's not it. That's that not, not what, what the game is. Yeah. Yeah. We have a disconnect yeah. that yeah. says that, that they can't though, be the I same thing. I think it's a difference in communication as opposed to necessarily our thoroughly of tip. It's like, and that's where you get into playtesting and editing, and it's like, all right, this is the message I am receiving when I read this text. Yeah. Is that the message you meant to send? And that is a matter of, no, that is not the message I meant to send. Maybe I need to rewrite this. Yeah. And that should be happening yeah. before it becomes a game. Absolutely. Yes. And, and the play, the, like, I, I have learned some really important lessons about the, the play culture assumptions that you bring with you into different mm -hmm. oh, right, right, right. Because yeah. I have kind of, like at Pilgrim, we kind of have a foot in the like trad gaming space, right? In the D20 fantasy space with Kirky Page, and then we've also got a foot in the kind of story gamey kind of space. And those two communities have really different assumptions mm -hmm. as players and GMs when they come to the table. Yep. And like and that really, really impacts how you deliver information to them, the kind of games that you produce for them, what mechanics you give them and, and all of that kind of stuff. But also like you need to be communicating your play cultural expectations as well mm -hmm. as just delivering the, and then, you know, you all roll a dice and see who goes first yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. So there's like a whole, again, like you need to be covering the people <coughs> as people as well as as consumers of your product yes. like, and how they are coming. Yeah, if you want people to be nice to each other at the table, say you want people to be nice to each other at yeah. the table. I want, in the book. I, want, I want four more hours of this conversation. Yes, right. Oh, yes. <laughs> Same. 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 This has been amazing. Uh, okay, so but we do have to go because Andy is getting is kicking Real quick, real thumbs quick. up. Our role-playing game is a medium. Yes. <laughs> nice. That is not a thumbs up. Nice. All right. I think we won then. Yeah, yeah, we won. <laughs> that was thank, my intent. Thank you so much for 